Today on Fish's Call Sheet, we're going to dive into a really complex world that really makes what we do possible and adds the authenticity to shows and programs. So today I have a special guest with me, uh, Jesse Martinez-Carlos. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much for inviting me. Absolutely. You know, this show is about celebrating all of the people who do all the jobs that make production possible. And so I have questions for you kind of on, on multiple areas, but I usually start by asking people, uh, what is your job title? Well, for this particular interview, my job title would be background actor. Okay. So a lot of times I'm a stand-in, but for the, the wonderful show that we both work on, it's, it's background actor. <laughs> what do people think you do when you say that? Um, then I'm a glorified extra. Okay. <laughs> and then what do you really do? Well, what it is technically is, it's, it's creating an atmosphere for the storyteller to make it believable. Um, what I like to tell people, if you don't see any background movement of human beings, it's basically a soap opera. Because most soap operas only involve principal actors, hardly any movement in the back. So it doesn't really tell a full story. But when you do have movement and action of just people, everyday people walking about or eating about or whatever it may be, it tends to, to really um, bring the audience into the story. And that's what I always love, love to tell people. Yeah, it's such a complex thing because your role is important and you have to match things and you do all the same skills that actors do, period, across the board, right? Right. But often you don't always get the acknowledgement that I feel like people deserve. It, it makes a huge difference. You know, in our case on the Connors, every time we have Cosita Benita, you are, you are principle in there. I mean, you really have Thank made you. that place a stable, a consistent environment. And so, you know, I can't imagine doing any of those scenes without you. Well, you know, I thank you very much for that. It's, it's, it's been a joy and it's been an honor to be there. Um, if I may say, the Connors is such a different set than 99% of the sets that I've been on. Um, and I think that has to attribute not only to you as the principal actors, but also the crew. And from what I understand, this is the same crew that you had back in the original. Yeah, we have uh, probably uh, a lot of it and a lot of the heads of departments, which really sets the tone for things. Right. And so because of them, they set the tone to make sure everybody is, it's a happy set because you guys already established. And that's one of the greatest things is when you are constantly working with the same people, you tend to develop a, a family uh, situation. You feel like family. And I, and I felt that the very first time I was on set. So it was very warm and welcoming. Take us through, for people who don't know, kind of how a day looks, what, what your schedule looks like as far as when you're doing background. And then I do have, I have some questions for you about being um, a stand-in as well. Sure. So let's cover background first, and then we'll kind of dive into that world too. Okay. Well, it, it actually starts the day before you work. Um, and it can start around 12 or, or 1 o'clock the day before you work. First of all, central casting is the one that's kind of the employer of most background in Los Angeles. Not all, but most. So they have a group of 30 casting directors that your product, you know, productions work with. And the production then puts an order into central to say we need X amount of bodies for this particular day for these particular scenes. So then there's many ways of how they can get that. Um, Central can put out on their Facebook page, hey, I'm looking for, you know, Hispanic uh, 30 to 60s that knows how to bartender, knows how to, do, you know, be a chef, whatever it may be. Um, and if I see that, then there's usually either an email address or a phone number that you call into to try and, and get that job. It's like calling into a game show. When I first started, it's like calling into a game show. They give you a number, 300 people are calling that same number to try and get that one or one of 10 or 20 jobs. Right. Now it's just, a lot of it's doing email. I think now with advanced technology, I think Central's been really working hard to make it a lot easier for us. Uh, once I get the job, um, they give me another number or, or what they call uh, a blog to log into to determine your wardrobe, your, your call time, directions, and who you should be reporting to. Now we go to the morning of. So if I had a, normally I would have, let's say a, a 10 a.m. call time on the Connors. But for me, I hate to be late. So I leave two hours ahead. Usually I get there an hour. Now I can take my time getting over there. 
I get there. For most sitcoms like yours, uh, there's a stage for audience. So backgrounds told, go to the stage or the bleachers and we'll have our PA or AD come talk to you closer to the time. We get there, uh, we check in. Our wonderful Skyler from the Connors checks us in. She's fantastic. And then she goes, okay, this is what we're doing. We're gonna be blocking. Uh, we don't need to do wardrobe yet. Just come down the stage and we're gonna do blocking. And for those, um, I think you could give a better description of what blocking is for, for, the, for the audience. But once we're done with blocking, um, then we go back up to bleachers and then we may have a bite for breakfast. And then later down the line, we'll get clothes dressed up for wardrobe. And then when we're ready to do our work, we come down to set and we do our scene. Yeah, so blocking is kind of any kind of movement and, and progress through a set that happens during a scene. Really, it doesn't really matter whether your principal background, whatever it is, tracking through that set is really important because it gives you the opportunity to feel realistic and lifelike, but at the same time, you have to match and you have to fit between the camera lanes and kind of match all of those things together. And sometimes you want somebody to cross in front because it gives you that normal feeling in a restaurant. But, you know, I know a lot of times you're behind the bar. Yes. And there are times where, you know, there's a bunch of movements for you where you have to go deliver something to a table to make it look like an authentic restaurant and a bar. And that's a lot of things to do that you have to do consistently. We talk about continuity a lot. Yeah. And, and it makes all the difference. It's one of the things, you know, we, we love having you because you're a professional. You take great pride in making sure you have your stuff down. All of your stuff is believable. You're really focused. You're so dependable. Th those skills to you, I know, because you and I have talked, you know, you think that's a starting place. But yes. it's not always the starting place. And it, it makes a big difference to be able to count on somebody because it makes everything flow so much better. Yeah, you're right. Um, one of the things that that background is expected to do is to be part of the scene, but yet not be the focus point of the scene. So for my work specifically in, um, in the restaurant, in the, at the bar, and I work closely with uh, Lacey because she's, she's the employee of, of the restaurant is the one thing I learned is that you do opposite what she's doing. So if she's downstage, then I'm playing upstage. If she's upstage, I'm playing downstage because I'm, I cannot be distracting anybody because the camera, that's her movement. I just need to make her more believable. Um, there'll be times where they say, okay, I might get a direction on this particular line, get out of the way and just leave. Great, I can make an exit, stage left, stage right, wherever it may be. And then they can focus on a two shot or a three shot without any, any distractions in the background. This is my full-time job. I've been doing this full-time since 2011. Uh, the one thing that, that is an unsaid role with casting is that you're basically, you're replaceable. If, you know, you do the wrong step, you say the wrong thing, you know, you just won't be brought back. So I've been very blessed to be invited the first time and then to be re-invited and re-invited. It's not a permanent thing. But it's nice that the AD staff that likes me keeps inviting me back, and and I and I don't and I don't take that for granted or against all. Well, you've generated uh, trust and confidence, and I think that's something we Thank all you. try to do in every job we have. I I really believe you know you come with a great work ethic. I mean, you and I have talked about it. It comes from all the other projects and things we've we've done in our yeah, past. Yeah, we've done the past. Background is such a pivotal part of making things believable. You think it's easy sometimes to be in the background of a scene. People go, oh, that would be easy. Until you have to have believable actions and interactions with people. And there's lots of times you don't really get to talk, but you have to look like you're talking or you bring something to someone and occasionally human things happen. Somebody spills a little bit of a drink, messes something <laughs> up, right? Like, I mean, yeah. there's all these things that happen real time that you have to adjust with on the fly and to make it all smooth and believable to keep track of lines while engaging in all of these other things so that you know when to cross and you can get that timing right to keep that continuity. I hope people after they watch this will go and watch whatever shows they're looking at and look around the room a little bit more because there's a lot of really talented people working really hard. There are, and, and I know there's a long list of, of uh, very well-known principal actors that started off as background. 
the people I work with is not about fame. It's not about fame. It's about, you know, just being a working actor. And that's what I also classify myself as well. I am a working actor. I work five days a week on different projects. I might not be speaking all the time. I might not be hired as a principal actor, but I am an actor. I am a member of SAG-AFTRA and I'm very proud of it. Uh, with that comes responsibility. If it doesn't work, especially in the restaurant, when you have people at the table and there's food in front of you and you have to make it believable that you're eating. And sometimes you can actually, if you look closely on TV, you'll see the person pretending to eat and not eating and chewing. And yeah, <laughs> or, or a lot of times when it needs to be quiet for a particular scene, you, you hear the utensils cling up to the dish. So yeah, those are a lot of things that background uh, actors tend to be their, their phobia that they don't want to mess up. Understand that back, background actors are not all the time wanting to be actors. A lot of them are writers, they're mm -hmm. directors, um, and there are a lot of writers. Um, I've seen, I don't know if you ever hung out at Holding for a few minutes, mm -hmm. but sometimes you'll see a lot of background actors on their laptops and they're typing up a scene and they're doing you know, classes and they're doing a lot of workshops, and, but it's from all facets of life. They're just not actors. But this is a great place to learn what happens on a set. So when I'm on a set and we're done, like you and I, we sat down, we chatted after we've done a, we've done a scene in, in the restaurant and I see you sitting in the director's chair, I'll come and sit with you and we'll just chit chat about everything and so forth. And I try to do that with a lot of actors and not just the actors, but the crew members. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk to a cameraman, hey, you know, how did you get involved in camera? You know, what, what sparked you to, to go that path? Because a lot of people don't understand is there are an unlimited amount of paths yes. to work on a show. Yes. And I'm just very fortunate that I chose background um, to be a part of that. Yeah, I think it's, it's a really brilliant way to be involved, to stay involved, to stay connected, to communicate with people, to really get hands-on experience. Forget all these things. Everybody wants to start in a specific place with a title. I think one thing that this show does really well is you get to kind of see inside other people's journeys and how many people started out in another department or ended up in the right place for them. You know, I've had friends, family, people that I've known who have been background who, like you said, are writers, directors, producers. And one of the things is they want to work in this business and have the flexibility to stay involved here. Right. And then there's also a group that, like yourself, who are actors, who are working actors. People forget that the average actor in our union doesn't make millions of dollars. Most nope. people don't. Most people are working actors. They work really hard. And I remember lots of years where I was trying to make sure that I was at the threshold and, and trying to make it to insurance and trying to do all these things. And, you know, I did improv for years. How many people that I did improv with that I was trying to help find a way into the union to get enough days, to keep enough days. Actor is a big term. And there's a lot of different types and a lot of different ways. And, and you can go from one to all of a sudden they turn to you and say, hey, you got a line today. All of a sudden you just jumped on the Connors. I'm, I've been part of this family for, you know, 30 something years. Mm -hmm. But when I go to another show, I'm just a guest or, you know, I can, I, I've done small roles. You know, I did a baseball movie. My part was very small, but mm -hmm. I was counted on for a lot of physical things. And it was a great opportunity. It was fun. I got to work with a lot of great guys. People have to open their mind a little and realize there's lots of ways into this business and there's lots of different types of actors and there's a lot of really great people who are working really hard and have to work all the time Yes. to stay in it. Yes, and, and you, you touch on a good thing in regards where working as a background actor on a set and then all of a sudden it says, you know, we're going to give you a line and that just bumps you up to principal day player. And that's actually, you had mentioned regarding trying to earn enough. Well, that's actually what you work as a background actor is one fifth of what you earn as a day player actor. And I had the pleasure and honor to actually do that on the 10th season of Roseanne, that I was actually upgraded. I don't know if you can recall, but it was the birthday scene inside the restaurant where the, the staff uh, sang happy birthday in Spanish. That was, that was a real funny part in, in my life. Because one of the things that most people don't know is I don't speak any Spanish. They look at me and they say, oh, well, Throw a man, let him speak Spanish. Like, no, I had to learn the song in Spanish. But you automatically get that jump. Right. And that was thrilling and exciting. It, it was just fantastic. And I've done a lot of commercials doing background, and I've occasionally been upgraded, but that's a whole different animal of 
how to get upgraded to principal actor than it is to do on a TV show. It's, it's a lot harder, more difficult, excuse me, more difficult on TV and film to get an upgrade with what we call as an upgrade than we can do in a commercial. Commercials are such a different thing because the auditions come up really rapidly, kind of the same thing where it's today or tomorrow and there's a bunch of people, you go in, you audition, and then commercials usually are shot pretty close to when they're cast. So when you jump into a commercial and then things can change on a commercial set really rapidly. Yes. And people can can kind of get upgraded or, or something may happen. Or I've been at commercial shoots where the other lead didn't show up and now somebody had to get pulled up. I've been places yeah. where people were difficult and, and yeah. changes were made or they suddenly realize, well, it's nice to have these two or three people being featured, but it only works if they're in a full group. And all of a sudden now they need to elevate a group of people and now can go from background to, to a principal participant. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a monster. With, with TV and film, uh, there's background casting companies that are probably 20 to 30. And there's a tiny, tiny boutiques. And some of even the principal cast, casting directors will cast background as well, just depending on how small that boutique is. But when it comes to commercial casting, there's only really three or four major players for background casting. It's such a tight, tight world. Because a client is dropping $20 million on a four-day commercial, uh, that casting agency is going to be more picky and choosy on who they're going to actually place in the background. If I did a commercial for Chrysler, it would be the ad, the advertising company at Chrysler that would choose a background. It could be the casting director doing the background. It could be the AD casting. It just depends on what the client and the, the ad agency decide. When you're working a commercial, even as background, it's extremely lucrative. Almost it's more than two and a half times on a day doing background than it is on TV. And then the thrilling part, just as you mentioned, if they just shot this, but most upgrades are in post-production, they do a wide shot and then all of a sudden the background becomes principal actor, that can run forever. And based on residuals, it could really, you know, improve your whole lifestyle for a year. And yeah, I've can, been blessed can, to have a couple of those throughout my, my tenure here. Yeah, it um, can be a big, a big jump. And people don't realize commercials is an area, that's actually the area that I my parents had intended for me to start working before the Roseanne show. They had no intention of me doing anything long-term mm -hmm. because they both work full time, but a good commercial can literally change somebody's life for a yeah. year or two. Yeah. I, I always heard that if you can do two national commercials, just, just work two days out of 365 and both of those are national commercials class A, you're set for the year. you never have to work another day for the whole year. The, the way that a lot of actors have gone is through the commercial aspect get a little recognition, recognition, and then you move on to TV or film. You know, back in the day, uh, film actors did not want to be TV actors and TV actors did not want to be film actors, but now they're, they're you know, interchangeable and entwined. And the, the only um, thing now, what's now is that if you're a principal actor, and you can <laughs> attest to this, um, one of the principal actors, or the number one on the, on, the, on the call sheet, tends to be an executive producer. But then I need to stay, take a step back as an actor, as a background actor, saying, okay, does this principal actor wearing a hat as a fellow union member, a fellow actor, or are they going to be my boss? And so right. there's, there's that fine line as a principal actor, I mean, I'm sorry, as a background actor, that you have to decide, hey, can I chat up with this person because I'm in the scene with them? Or can I, do I need to step back because, yes, they're the boss and they can hire and fire me? Or, but again, most of the time, um, even to the audience, we're invisible. To, to a lot of the ADs and the crew, we're invisible as well. Yeah, I've never understood that. That's one of those things. I mean, Jesse, you know me. I like yeah. For me, we're all here working. We're peers. And when I look at it that way, it, it makes me crazy when I see people who are distant or dismissive or try to elevate themselves by trying to to kind of push other people down and that makes me crazy well i'm glad you touched on that so a little story when the connors got picked up for the first season and we all came back i don't know if you probably don't remember this but we came back there were three of us or what we like to call core in the restaurant which is 
which is Amber, our waitress, which is Carrington, our cook, and then there's myself. Right. And we were just sitting in the bleachers. We all came early because we, we kind of knew the routine. And the first person we saw before Skyler was you. And you were just on the set walking by. You saw us and you immediately perked up a smile and you just waved and said, welcome back. For us as background, the three main, the three core backgrounds set the tone for the whole season. And I guess on behalf of them, I want to thank you. And I know before, I think before the last time we worked, uh, what people don't know, and if I may say, um, what people probably don't know, if they haven't attended um, a taping of the Connors, at the very end, when lights go up, cast members take their bowers, and the audience walks out, there's usually one or two people at the exit shaking hands. And one of those two people every time is Michael. And so I thank you, Michael. I know I said that, that that's a class act. I very rarely see a principal actor thank his audience in that form. A lot of times they'll grab the microphone, you know, stand up, say thank you to the audience and, you know, move on. You know, you guys all have lives and so forth. But I think what, what I see, especially in you, is looking at and appreciating where you're at today. And I know you appreciate where you're at today. I see it every day on set. I see it every day when I'm working with you at the end. And I, and I also see it on your Instagram. I, I just want to be authentic. You know, I worked in this business as a kid. So I got a huge advantage from that, from you start out early on. And I, and I got to have success early. But the crew and the people that I worked with never let that go to my head. Um, there was a gentleman named Ken Kells, who was a close friend of John's, who was in almost every episode of Roseanne. If you look, he had kind of slicked back uh, gray hair. He was a great guy. Mm -hmm. And to me, my coworkers are my coworkers. You guys all matter. Mm -hmm. And the audience every week means something very special because they help us make the best product possible, but also they share in this experience and they drive the success of the show. Yeah. And for me, I, I don't ever want to forget where I came from. And I remember the years when I couldn't get all the jobs I wanted or I was a little bit on the outside. And I remember how hard I had to work. And it's one of the reasons I respect people who just come in and work hard and are going after their path and their journey towards their dream. It is, it is a journey. There's you know, certain paths. There's 10 paths on that journey. But it's, it's been, at least for me, it's been a wonderful journey and I'm blessed and I've got the support at home to, to continue this. Because if you just all of a sudden wake up, says, hey, I want to be an actor, best way to get into it is being background. It's difficult. When I got into background acting, I didn't get into it to be a background actor. I didn't get into it to even get into acting. I actually got into it because I wanted to be a union rep for SAG. That was my original goal because that was my profession. I was a union, I was a union organizer, a union rep. I defended a lot of clients through law enforcement and the healthcare. And prior to that, I was a political hack, being a congressional aide in a Senate And politics and unions go hand in hand. Went through some trials, uh, taking care of my, my alien father. And, you know, sadly, he passed away. And then six months later, I figured, well, I need, I need to get off the horse. I need to do something. And so I did theater in college. Figured, okay, I'll you know, make some money and do background acting. And so when you first enter, most of the time you enter as non-union. And non-union is basically a minimum wage. But through that is we start learning what's ex the expectations on set, your drive, your motivation. And I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the stories. I fell in love with the crew. I'm so glad that I'm at a point in my life where I don't go goo goo and gaga over actors, over stars. <laughs> Thank goodness. Because <laughs> I've seen some, you know, wild-eyed crazy people one of the expectations and i haven't said this yet that's an unsaid rule as a background actor the unsaid rule don't be approaching the actors don't be taking pictures and don't be asking for autographs some people are not told that and because they're not told that they tend to violate that right and so if anybody's watching today don't violate that <laughs> when when you saw me the second season and you just said hi already felt well it was okay to talk to you and it was okay yeah. and then you know obviously when we're not working and we're on down on set just hanging out we get to chit chat and that's wonderful and again i do appreciate that from you when you're working background what's the best part of your job you know i think the best part is to uh the job is to be a part of something it might not be earth shattering 
but just to be a part of, of storytelling. I'm a huge fan, movies, TV, um, becoming a fan of commercials because I, I commentate a lot at home. <laughs> but I think it's just being part of the story, knowing I'm, a, I'm at the restaurant and I know what's going to be happening. Um, I could go home and let, let my wife know, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen. And then sure enough, it happens. But there's an old episode of I Love Lucy where um, Ricky and Lucy are listening to a radio show. And it's a quiz show. And all of a sudden, when they ask the question, Ricky knows the answer. And Lucy's like amazed. And he got like 100%. Well, he then told Fred, he goes, well, I was at the taping earlier today. Yeah. So it's interesting. Well, I'll tell some people that don't know me and we kind of hanging out, watching something. I say, hmm, I wonder what's going to, you know, I bet you anything, this is what's going to happen or someone's going to make a cross or something. And it happens. And they're like, well, what, are you psychic? <laughs> so it's just a lot of fun knowing about the story and just being a part of it. Right, what's the hardest part? As a background actor, I think the hardest part is memorizing your movements on a particular line. You may have to come into the scene on a third or 12th line or specific line that happens at a specific moment. But if you don't come in or make a cross, it could actually mess up the whole scene, believe it or not. Because the director needs that type of action to move on to the next story or to move on to the next action. As an actor that you do action, you actually, it's actually reaction. You have to react. And it's very difficult if you're not hearing those particular line to react to that particular movement to make it more believable. After every take and there's a cut, then they'll come back on sets. Okay, you forgot to move on this line, remember this, or you know what, they changed. This is the funny thing. When, when movements change because they might have taken out one or two lines, or it just didn't work, and then we have to adjust to that as well, but yet make it make it believable that there was no adjustment. Um, in our case, you know, Lisey's working in the restaurant. Maybe Darlene comes in to get a bite of food. She comes. She has her exchange. She goes back to the bar. You have to go take something, and there's three more lines, and then you're supposed to cross back. And all of a sudden, they cut two of those three lines for time or to tighten up the jokes. You still have to make it to where you were supposed to go and now you got to make it back and you got to try and figure a way to make that path work where right. you don't run into each other at the opening of the bar or you know or a lot of times they they cut it but they don't tell us yeah and so we may come out on a different line because we're timing it it's not also about the line but it's about the time okay i know he said this okay 15 seconds after that let me count off then i do my movement and a lot of times it's not communicated to us so that's where it's like the atmosphere, the atmosphere, the background is is invisible. Okay, now you mentioned earlier that you do stand-in work. Yes. So can you explain for people at home what a stand-in is and, and kind of how that works? Okay, well, I like to jokingly say, and this is jokingly, okay? I like to say my job is doing the actor's job where the actor goes to his dressing room and sits on his Perrier. <laughs> okay fair enough well, the I, usually really, there's more to it than that i'm gonna, I'm gonna defend actors just a little bit but yeah, thank you <laughs> that's why i say jokingly um but what what it really is it's giving time for the actor it's a twofold giving the time for the actor to to work on their lines for that particular scene but also to work with the lighting by the director of photography as well as the director to block the scenes that are happening. So the actors will shoot the scene, well, I'm sorry, one shoot, they'll, they'll show the scene first, all the stand-ins are watching it, then they say, okay, second team. And so as second team, you do the exact same movements, you do the exact same words as the actor's doing it, but at the direction of the director himself, as he's directing the cameras to move from one place to another. On a sitcom, or what they call a multi-cam, most stand-ins on, on a multi-cam are actors because you need to make it believable. Even though you're not the principal actor, you still need to make it believable because it's just not, sometimes it's just not the director or the actors watching, but it could also be the writers. It could be the producers. For single cam, which is more uh, for one-hour dramas, 
and, and film, feature films, you just stand there for lighting purposes. Very right. seldom do you move. If you look at an eight hour day, it has to do with a lot about lighting because they want to make sure that the scene is well lit, the actor looks good on that particular scene. You know, when you're working well with your stand-in, they'll tell you if they move marks, what you need to hold for sometimes before you can deliver a line, something you need to move, especially if things have changed. So yeah. it's this really kind of interchangeable thing is, you know, sometimes we set kind of where we're moving and how we're doing. And sometimes the stand-ins end up setting some of the movement and how things are going. And then you try to integrate both of those together to make sure that the technical side of what we're doing matches the performance side of what we're doing. Because you're working with the director of photography, and lighting, a lot of it means regarding the lighting of the one particular actor. So if that particular actor is Hispanic with dark skin, they want someone like me with dark skin because it helps with the director of photography because it could be too bright or too dark, but if they have the right skin tone, then they, can, they don't need to make any adjustments throughout the scene. If it's a Caucasian actor, they want a lighter skinned person to do the same thing. Since there's not many Hispanic principal actors is why there's not many Hispanic stand-ins. Um, but I've been blessed and fortunate enough to pinpoint which, which actors are working in LA and I hound the ADs, I hound the casting directors, I hound whoever I can get to at least, hey, give me a shot. Um, most of the time stand-ins stand are skin color, hair color, and height. For a director of photography, as you were talking about before with lighting, they're trying to get as close as they can mm -hmm. to approximating what the principal actor is going to look like, feel like in the space, right? So right. They're, they're trying to kind of match it up so that when one or the other steps in, it, it matches the way they had anticipated and you can just go straight into shooting. Right. With kids, a lot of time, um, like when I was a kid, yeah. I, I had a, a female uh, stand-in for height. So when it comes to specifically stand-ins for height, a lot of times they try to, for kids, especially for children, they try to hire little people mm -hmm. um, because they're maxed out at four foot or five foot. But then the fear is two, three years later, that child will eventually grow up to be taller, you know? And so do you need to get a new stand-in for that actor or how do you play it? Luckily, there's a lot of adults that are full-grown adults, but they only might be five foot, five two, five five, that can last the whole longevity of the show. 10 seasons, five seasons, 20 seasons, whatever it may be. On the flip side, for tall people, there's not many tall actors. You know, I, I think they say, you know, six one is about the tallest that, you, that they like. Right. There's a lot of six two, six three, but it's hard to find stand-ins and background actors. So I was blessed this last season to stand in for an actor who was 6'3". Okay. Mind you, I'm only 5'9". So what did I do? And I wasn't expected to do this, but to help camera, to help lighting, I went and got myself three-inch gothic shoes. That got me to six, well, he was 6'2", so that got me to six foot. And at the end of the run, the, uh, the DP thanked me because I know we didn't ask this of you, but you went the extra mile and that really helped me move my job a little bit faster. We didn't have to put you on an apple box. We didn't have to estimate the height. So height does have to be a lot with it. And I know a lot of male um, actors have female standards. So if you have a very, very thin actor, there's, you know, there's, they want a thin person. So they, they look at people. So okay, even though as a woman, we could put a wig on her, we could wrap up her long hair. She's wearing the jeans, boom. She's a male actor from behind, it's perfect. Yeah, and a lot of it is about how you fit in the frame, right? So yeah. your stand-in, you hope, fits in the frame similar to whoever they're standing in for. They wanna have an idea of what it's gonna look like behind them. You know, and especially taller actors, a lot of times, they have to put the camera up higher. Yeah. They may have to look at a set and say, well, we can't shoot it the same way we would have because we'll shoot off the set and we'll see lights. Right, see lights, see the boom, see things that we don't wanna be seen. Okay, what was your dream coming in? You mentioned that, that you wanted to be a union rep. Well, my, of course, my dream coming in was to actually be a union rep. But within a few weeks into it, like, wow, this is really cool. When you, when you do background, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. You're paid on a full day. 
If you, if you work five minutes, you work eight hours, you're paid on an eight hour day. Simple as that. A lot of times you may come in at 10 in the morning, but you may not actually work until 3.30 in the afternoon. And then they shoot the scene and by four o'clock you're out. Yeah. It's an eight hour day. I, went, I was on a set, I came in at 10 o'clock. I wrapped out at 10.30. They shot the scene, out 30 minutes, I get paid for eight hours. So when I got that bug saying, wow, this is great. Fair up and wait, you get paid to do absolutely nothing, but you're just getting paid for being what you would be doing on a normal day, eating at a restaurant, walking across the street, whatever it may be. But right now the transition I'm trying to really make 100% full time is to be that stand-in actor. The stand-ins are gonna be even more dependent on today than they ever have been because they want to protect the actor from any, any uh, overexposure of anything. So the, the stand-ins are the ones that are going to be on set most of the time. And then they'll bring in the principal actor for one or two shots. Boom, you're done. Okay, let's move to the next scene to protect that person. And so I want to be that stand-in actor for that. The person that you and I definitely know in common and, and can definitely appreciate is uh, a wonderful, wonderful director named Victor Gonzalez. Oh, he's amazing. He's, he's amazing. amazing. He's, a, he's an amazing director. He's an amazing man. Um, I had the privilege of growing up working around him and yeah. watching him rise. And I've been blessed to, to that he's still working and to learn from him just even as a background actor um, where I'm on Last Fan Standing uh, a lot. And so he does a lot of direct, you know, he directs a lot of those episodes. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I get to watch him move the actors and explain things to other actors. Um, I had the pleasure of standing in on a, sadly on a show that did not get uh, renewed for a second season called Broke. And he directed seven, seven of the episodes. And the one thing that, and it was with children. I know he's, he's directed so many children's shows, but I got to see him the first time work with a child. And the one thing that, that the child did that wasn't taught to him by anybody until Victor got a hold of him was how to, turn upstage or downstage for a particular line. Turn downstage, this is TV film, because we all, the camera always wants to see your face. Right. Watching Victor work, to me, makes me a better background actor, a better stand-in, and, and hopefully soon a better actor. But if it wasn't people like that, and like yourself, because you as an actor will sit down and, and talk. Talk about the things you wanna do with diversity and your stories and this and that. And so I'm learning from that as well. So. Yes, I do background acting and I still do stand-in. I'm getting paid to take workshops and lessons. I'm getting paid to take an actor's workshop. And that's the most thrilling part of it. I don't have to pay to go to, go to class. I'm getting paid. And that's the exciting part. Where do I want to see myself? It's, it's right now, today, for maybe for the next six months, a good, solid stand-in gig because of what's going on today, this year, in 2020. It's, it's fluid. When I do stand-in work, it helps me with a lot with my craft, timing, understanding, listening, you know, uh, working out a scene. It's, it's great work. Stand-ins do such a valuable job, and you really get to do a lot of the exact same things. You're doing the same lines, the same set, the same movement, the same adjustments with your body. And a lot of times you get to really work on how to adjust for a camera how to adjust in this scene, how to unstack and unblock each other and, and watching how they went about it or the adjustments that the, you know, the DP or the director's making and why that's being made. Right. And you know, it is, it is a lot of hard work. I mean, well, there's a big difference as I was telling you between multi-cam and single cam. Multi-cam is a lot of work. Single cam, you stand there, you get lit, that's it. But multi-cam, you got to do the lines, you got to do the movements, you got just exactly everything you said. And, and that's for me what I like. You know, we get as background, we get we do get a lot from the ADs say, thank you, background, it was great. When the director steps out from behind the camera and says that, that's great because it's his job to make sure that story's told correctly. And so when he notices that a background group that he's not supposed to notice, because it's it's just like invisible atmosphere and it works it's great to be appreciated. So I know you have fantastic, fantastic stand-ins on your show, but yeah, they're, they're, you got a fantastic group there of stand-ins. 
So we we do, and you know, in our, in our case, some of our stand-ins have to do even more than usual because you know when we first started, Robin was doing um, Sarah Gilbert as Darlene, and she was Sarah Gilbert was still working on the talk. There were portions of the day where she had to step into that role for everybody else. Yeah, and then Lori sometimes for um, Emma Kinney because she's doing Shameless, doing all of it together for the timing of everybody else and you know it's a really complex job it's one of those jobs that you know it's one of the reasons I want to have you on so people can kind of start to get their idea around what that is and how that works and you know I'm such a fan of all of what we do yeah being active in a place and being believable in that place and not drawing attention away when you're doing background there's a real art to being strong and assertive and and helping adjust and make the shots work when you're stand-in but the truth is these things are so noticeable when they're done wrong. It makes all the difference in the world to a production that you have quality people from top to bottom. Yeah. We really are all collaborating to make this process and make this production work. It's a very well-oiled machine that you want to end up with. Yeah. And so if you do have all the right players in place from, from even, even from the, from, from the background, to the stand-ins, to the PA, to the crew, camera. And even, you know what blows my mind on a set is actually construction. They're amazing. They're amazing because they've got to come in, from what I understand, like during the night and build a set. And sometimes they only have like a day to three days to build that set. And when you walk in on a set in that particular scene, it looks like the real McCoy. Yeah, I used to work construction a little and, and, most of those jobs you come in overnight and you got to build this walls. Everything has to be up. Yeah. And then the other group that doesn't get enough credit is the painters. Oh yeah. Come in and paint overnight. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of times our stage wasn't big enough to accommodate all of the sets per week. I remember that. Yeah. So we'd shoot one or two scenes on Thursday and the construction crew would come in Thursday night and build it. Our painter would come in in the middle of the night. And by Friday morning, you turn around and it's a brand new set. And now lighting and set dressing and props are going to make this place work. And literally what used to be a set yesterday that we shot a scene in is now a completely different world. And it all is believable overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing to see, uh, you know, how every person on that floor is so vital to the storytelling. Everybody from everybody is vital including, and most importantly, to the audience. Yes. Fortunately, the Connors is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And you, I'm sure, and you can attest to this, you get your energy, because I know I do as, as back in the background. I get my energy from that, from the audience, from their laughing, from the oohs, from the ahs, from the applause. It gets me pumped up. And it gets me, hey, they're believing what I'm doing, so let me do it better. Let me do it. It rises. And, and again, they say that, you know, rising tide raises all boats. And that's really what it is, is everybody has a piece of this. And the better everybody does their job, the more the production kind of rises. I've always been a firm believer in that. And I think, you know, good leadership encourages people to be invested and involved. Now, Jesse, of all of the projects you've done, what are some of the highlights for you? Some things that you just couldn't wait to go home and tell your loved ones and say, you can't wait to see this or, or, even maybe every once in a while, like, I can't tell you yet, but you got to watch. We're watching this okay. week. The, the first one, this is, this is kind of funny. It was probably my first or it was my first year ever doing background. And I want to say it was on a cop show um, with uh, Nathan, Nathan Filman, I think. I'm not exactly sure. But when you're non-union, um, you're paid minimum wage. And a lot of times uh, production will hire you for one or two roles the same day and it's with wardrobe you change wardrobe you become a different person so sometimes you may be a restaurant patron and then three hours later you may be a pedestrian walking across the street but because you're so far deep in the background they're not going to recognize it's the same person so the first thing that i ever that i did was i was hired for the show that i was going to be a coroner's assistant switching over to a uniform cop it's like okay cool Corners assistants there at the, the, you know, the Emmy's office. And then I go on, I get dressed in uniform and all that. So I get there and I think I'm on the one of only four background players for that day. And I said, oh yeah, we'll, we uh, included another scene. So we're going to have you play a dead body. 
I go, what? I said, but you hired me for this? He says, well, no, you're going to do that as well, but we're going to hire you for a dead body. The, the, the camera was basically on the outside of corridors looking into the window of the um, coroner's office, the cold storage area. And you see me as an assistant in scrubs just doing a cross in front of the camera. No problem. Then the camera moves in, follows the, the principal actor into the scene, and they're walking around a metal table of a body on a slab with a sheet over the head. That's me. I was also the coroner's assistant. Then all of a sudden, a few hours later, I'm dressed up in a policeman's uniform. And then that coroner, not the, um, the principal actor that walked around my dead body was now pretending to talk to me on the scene. So when I told my family that, yeah, I'm there three different times in the same half hour show. <laughs> and so I said, okay, there's my toe. Okay, there's my forehead. Now you can see my face. Yeah. So it's just, that's kind of like the, 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 the fun part of it is you do get to have fun. You get to pretend to be different people at different places of time. You could be a person in the 1800s. You could be a person in the future. Um, there's a lot of different aspects. So it's, it's a lot of still being a kid. You get to, you get to you know, play dress up. You get to play. You get to fantasize. You get to pretend. And I think that's the greatest thing about being an actor is it's always pretending. You get to pretend where you want to be. And especially like yourself as a writer, you get to develop how you want to pretend and how you want your characters to pretend. Just being part of a family. Um, and the two shows, which of course the Connors, I felt like I'm a part of the family. Disadvantages of being a background actor is that what they say is you're hired in the morning, you're fired at night. Simple mm -hmm. as that. You get hired the next morning for a different show. But when you become a part of a family as a core group, you get treated, I think, with a lot better, just in the sense of normal respect for who you are as a person. And so with the Connors, they made us feel so welcomed and appreciated. And this would only be, a, this is what I'm going to say is only appreciated by other background actors, is that we were invited to the rap party. Um, the other show, Last Man Standing, um, I've been part of that background group for going on seven years now as part of the bullpen. Because um, usually that takes place in the beginning of the week where I've worked on the Connors at the end of the week. On a Super Bowl commercial, I think it was a Budweiser commercial, you got to see half my face like that. And so it was funny when I, um, my best friend always has a Super Bowl party. And so I told him about this. And so when the commercial aired, I was on the edge of the screen where you could see half of my face. So he made it a point to put my other half of my face to make me a, yeah, it was so funny. Um, but, but stuff like that and to tell, you know, family and friends, hey, uh, you need to watch this, not only because I may or may not be on it, but it's going to help with the ratings. It's going to help me as an actor possibly get another job there for that day. So the one thing that I, that I did like about the Connors, especially uh, last year, was uh, they brought in a Latino principal actor. Right. Uh, who, who plays uh, Becky's, you know, baby daddy. He's Emilio, uh, Rene. In season 10 of Roseanne, where I was there, Becky, I think it was, it was, yeah, Becky ordered me to pour some drinks for her and Darlene, and they said, Emilio, pour me some drinks. Yeah. So I always like to say, I'm the original Emilio. <laughs> <laughs> when I ran into Sarah on set, I said, hey, I'm the original Emilio. And she cracked a smile and, you know, it was, it was all fun. But yeah, so it's, it was nice to see the progression, just like with your storyline, you know, having a, a, a wife who's African-American and a daughter who's mixed. And it's, it's so refreshing to see those faces on current television today. Um, I think it's going to be more important as we go forward. Um, but, I agree. I, you know, I have, I push all the time because I think it's so important that we cover these stories that we, we touch on, you know, Jaden Ray's so talented as yeah. Mary, you know, what it's like to be a biracial child and what it's like to be in a family that is interracial and mixed and, and, and have multiple backgrounds and how society sees you sometimes and how, the world perceives you and what you deal with. I think all of these stories are so pivotal and so authentic. It's the story of what's happening in our world. And I love the opportunity to play it and, and portray that and share it. John is just amazing. And, and, and Lori, just the way she portrays her character, you know, is just, just phenomenal. 
but to, to watch some of those characters evolve from back then to now is just thrilling. And to know where they've been, you know, years ago and where they are now. And so I really love how they brought it back and still going forward and applying it to today's times. You know, you got the military involved and that's fantastic. That's a story that needs to be told more. Yeah, me too. It's a, it's a huge thing for me. You know, I come from, my dad was in the military and my brother served and I, I come from a military family and background. You know, those stories are really close to my heart. Um, I have a lot of friends who have spouses that are deployed. So yeah. that's a really big, impactful story that I hope we're going to tackle a lot more. And I know that the, the history of the show, they've always tackled difficult issues all the time. And so now there's these new issues that are arising that can be tackled as well. <clears throat> you know, with the, with the right, with the right uh, words, it can be really a positive thing to this country because this country has really loved this show, has really yeah. loved the family. And, and the family, I think, represents a lot of stuff that's going on in, in this country. And I think that's the beauty of it. We have this opportunity to really resonate with people. We have a history so we can share really authentic stories that probably other people couldn't dare touch because you're not as open-minded and you're not as, as familiar with the group. So you don't understand where they come from or understand what they mean and how they feel. Right. Right. Uh, the one thing I, I didn't touch on is about wardrobe. Uh, background is expected most of the time to provide your own wardrobe. And so I wish I could really show you my wardrobe room, but it's a mess. <laughs> a lot of people will have, outfits for men. So you'll have a suit from the 80s, a suit from the 90s. You have a suit for every decade because of period pieces. I have five different colors of scrubs. I have a lab coat. I've got three cowboy hats. I got four cowboy boots. I've got tons of business shirts from all different range, colors, and patterns. I actually have 250 ties. The actor's closet is so funny because it's almost like it, you need, it needs its own closet, right? Yes. <laughs> you have your clothes that you wear for real and then you have your acting clothes. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, that, the regular people don't know is that, you know, background actors, there wasn't, there wasn't a central casting before. You know, at the studios, you would have background actors hang out, sit down on the sidewalk just outside of the studios and casting would come out and says, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. What do you have? And if you bring the right outfits, you get chosen all actors did their own makeup. Right. And so background would bring their own makeup case and say, hey, I'm a thousand and one faces, you know, so keep me working. And I have a uniform. I can be a cop. I can be a firefighter. I can be a doctor. I can, right? Like the more yeah. things you have, the more boxes essentially you can check. You can check. And yeah. people can say yes. And so if you have all these different genres of, of styles and outfits, the more you're employable. And that's why for me, I'm a full-time actor. I'm a full-time background stand-in actor. And so I have to make sure that I have all of these things. What's the first thing you look at on a call sheet? Well, that's two different worlds because in background, for some reason, yeah. no one wants to show you a call sheet. They hide them, right? They hide them. They blow yeah. my mind as to why. There's no, there's really no, there's no emails on there. There's no phone. Right. You know? It just doesn't make sense. If I can get a hold of a call sheet, it'll tell me what scenes that background is in. It could be four scenes of the day and only one scene for background. It could be five scenes and all five scenes include background. They may include different types of background. They may include you in every single scene. It just depends. Right. For me, I want to know what my day is going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, there's, we know we have a start time. We don't know when our end time is until it ends. And that's just the way production is run for everybody. Right. For Stan-in, it's a whole different world. For Stan-in, the first thing I look at is what time is my call time? Uh, and then, sure enough, once I, I determine my call time, then I look at where my actors are at, who they are. If it's an actor that I never worked before, I'll look them up, you know, IMDB or Google, whatever, to see, you know, his height. If he's a little bit taller than me, then I make sure I bring my taller shoes. Um, I try to identify what the scenes are. And then hopefully, I either have it or they'll provide me with a script and then I'll match those scenes to the script and then I'll start working on my script as a stand-in. When you're standing, you're, you're part of the family, part of the crew. Background, you're just a day player that they can utilize. If you're a commercial, you're pretty furniture, um, you're replaceable. 
What's the last thing you want to see on a call sheet? Not to have my name on it. I want to make sure my name's on a call sheet. I'm on the feeling of that day. I don't want to see that. I know it's going to be a 12, 14 hour day. Um, I've worked especially on the, on the one hour single cam drama shows. They can work till two, three in the morning. Sometimes I've had a call time at 11 at night working until 10 in the morning. The bigger concern, and, and for me, is when I do work, either background or standing, is about pension and health. For those that don't know, as an actor, as when you're a SAG after actor, you have the opportunity to earn yourself a pension. But to do that, you have to earn a certain dollar amount in a certain 12-month area. Right. And if you don't make that amount, you don't qualify for health insurance, as well as a pension credit. And so I want to make sure I work as long as I can per day, as many days as I can early on in the year to make sure I qualify for that health insurance. Like Touching on the working actor thing is trying to qualify for insurance. And then there's tiers of insurance. Yes. And so once you qualify, that's the first big hurdle. Then you hope that you can kind of move your way up if you have a great year and you qualify on the higher end. Correct. Because it helps going forward that the majority, as I repeat, the majority of working actors yeah. don't make that much, you know, and are trying really hard to make it to that um, healthcare threshold. Yeah. And I think the I think the top tier is only, I want to say like thirty-four thousand. Yes. Right. But that can be really hard to achieve at times in our business. Yeah. So that tells you that the majority of actors are working that hard to get to that threshold. As people don't know that SAG and AFTRA were two separate unions on two separate coasts and, and so forth. So luckily more people than before have now been qualifying for health insurance. And I actually was in that group, Jesse. I, when I left the show the first time, the first show ended, I was a young adult. Well, I got married early and I had kids early. Mm -hmm. So every year, and we were under AFTRA and I did a bunch of SAG stuff, but it was a struggle to try and make it in both and try to qualify yeah. in both or even sometimes to qualify in one my kids primarily most of their life i've been lucky to be able to work it out to make enough for them to qualify and for me to have them covered under my union insurance and i'm so yeah. thankful to my union for that exactly and when they combined them they did a lot of actors a really good service it's one of the best parts of the merger has been combining that portion because it's made it more accessible for a lot of people by far, just from word of mouth from my fellow workers, a lot of them still can't make enough to get the health insurance. They just can't. They can't make the 18,000 threshold. The majority of working actors, and, and, and when you say working actors, in me, it's all actors that are 120,000 strong, whatever the number is, SAG after, make less than $20,000 a year. Yeah. SAG after now has, I, I want to count it, I think I counted eight separate contracts that we work under. Yes. From as for background, it's high as 388 for commercial to minimum wage on a low budget, ultra low budget film. But the one thing I do applaud my union doing is that the new media is I think like Showtime, HBO, the new streaming, you know, um, the Peacock, Disney Plus, those all fall under the SAG contract. And so to earn a pension credit, to earn uh, health insurance, you want to make sure you're working the right shows. So right. though I may be offered towards the end of the year certain shows, I may have to turn it down because I have to figure out, I need to work a SAG show to make sure I have three days left or I have $2,000 left to make sure I get that threshold to get the pension credit, to get my health insurance. When right. I did improv all the time, I can't tell you how many of my co-performers, people that I did stuff, who were some of the most amazingly talented people I've worked with, were a couple hundred dollars short or were right at the threshold and didn't know if they were going to make it right up until the end of the year. And the stress of that, especially the ones with families, it's hard. You know, we see the astronomical numbers for, for the blockbuster mega huge stars. Right. But what you don't see is all of the really day in day out actors who are doing project right. to project who really are piecing together their professional career and life season by season, week by week, month by month for each year, and then year by year. It's a really important thing that we acknowledge how many great people are working so hard yeah. just to barely make it. Yeah. 
it's interesting how every single person is an integral part to make your show, our show, a success. For me, my job, I always tell people, is my job is to know who these people are and to make sure that they realize that all of these jobs matter and they matter to me. You know, I get to work with fantastic people. I mean, again, I can't, I can't say enough, Michael, just tipping my hat off to you because um, you are just so down to earth. What's your favorite thing to see at craft service? A bottle of Coca-Cola from Mexico because oh. it's made from real sugar. Oh, I like that. And, they, and the crafty seldom has those because they're expensive. All right. Now, what do you hate seeing at craft service? Mm, a lot of people are going to hate me for this. Healthy soy tofu fo food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> I'm, I'm a sugarholic. So, yeah, more sweets, more treats for me. So, yeah. All right, Jesse, how do you define success? Being happy with myself in doing what I'm doing. There are many jobs I've done in the past outside of this that I hated. I wake up in the morning to do this job. I wake up in the morning wanting to do this, wanting to get out of bed. It gives me a purpose. I love to get to work early. I love to talk to people. I love to, to do all that stuff. And, and to me, that's success because if you're happy and you, you do what you do and you're loving it, it's not a job. It's not work. And to me, that's success. To me, I'm successful because they see that I'm happy, that I'm there early, that I'm on point, I'm hitting my mark. That's my success. So I guess the happiness part. Yeah, I normally ask people how they're measuring up to their definition of success, but you answered it. You're, oh. hitting, all, you're hitting all the marks and Thank you. we love having you. All right, what's the one thing that you want on every set? I'm gonna go with this first stretch here, the feel of family. So. When you're doing background, you tend to run in the same circles of other people that do the same job. So I might work with one, one background actor on Monday and do the same work with them on a different show on Friday. As I said, a lot of background are our writers and directors. And so I worked with a background actor uh, five years ago who's now a director. And he hired me for a low budget film for one scene, it was three lines and I was a principal actor. I mean, you develop those relationships. And so that's the thing that I love is just about the relationships you develop. If we watch out for each other, we're, we become all successful. Yeah, I like that. What's the one thing you would eliminate from a set? And again, your set is, 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 cannot be included because you know, you're, you're totally different. I think it's just the respect. Okay. Um, it's gotten a little bit better in the last two years. But we've heard, you know, background has, has heard underneath the breath of, of PAs, background, the necessary evils. We've heard one, cat, one director say they're the necessary evil. There are some actors don't like background. They don't talk to them. They talk down to them. Um, and it's just, I think, more of respect that I would like to see more of. Just common respect on a set. That we're here. We're, yeah, we're professional here to work. But, you know, we're just, we're just not atmosphere. We're not dead weight. We serve a purpose. That's all I ask. Just recognize we serve a purpose. How do you want the people who worked with you to remember you? I guess they can depend on me. Depend on me to make their career successful as a background actor. And say, hey, what did you say? What did I say? Let's develop a backstory. And then we can play off of that. What irks me the most, though, is when you, especially with brand new background actors, when you're there in the background, you and they can barely hear you and say something, you know, so they whisper. Yeah. And you can't whisper. You got to move your mouth. It's so simple. Move your mouth without any air coming out. By making that successful is makes you a better actor because that background may want to be a principal actor at one time. They may be achieving that. What is the legacy that you want your loved ones to take from your life? I don't know. I just, I never really think about legacy. I mean, you know, that I'm a good person, I'm a good son, I'm a good husband, I'm a good friend. If you are having a bad day, call me, you know, I could pick up the phone. They're having a bad day and if I see their number, I'm gonna pick it up because I know something's going on and they just need an ear to listen to. And so we may not talk for three months, but yet it feels like we're just picking up from the day before. I think it's just knowing that they can depend on me in, in whatever they need. I think my family are my biggest fans, um, especially my nieces, because when I first started out, I was doing a lot of kids' shows. 
And so they watched a lot of Disney and they would, you know, take snapshots and text it to me. It's, it's just so fun out of the blue where I'm not even thinking. And I get this text and a little photo of me in the scene. And it's just really cute. Jesse Martinez, Carlos, you have been dependable and a joy to share a set with. And I really, really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your insights and giving us a, a more in-depth look and hopefully you open people's eyes to look around the screen and see all of the talented people who are working each and every scene. Damn it, Michael, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael Fishman, I want to say thank you. I told you before in person, and I'll tell you again right here, you are a class act. You are friendly, you're kind, you're warm. And I've seen you work, you're professional and you're talented. But I think more than anything, you are a fantastic human being. And this world is nothing but more wonderful with you on it and you in it. And I know you are going to do huge things other than this. Again, this is always a stepping stone. The things that you've got cooking with you and your writing partner is going to be seen. And I'm hoping that I will somehow play a part of that. Even as the PA, I'll be a part of that because I know that your stories will be fantastic and true. So thank I just want to say thank you very much to you, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for checking out Fish's Call Sheet. I uh, hope you're enjoying this podcast. We have a lot of other episodes where we cover a lot of different categories in our entertainment industry, but I'm so happy to celebrate all the people who make production possible. If you'd like more or if you'd like to see some of the video with some of the visuals, you can always check us out at any of our social medias at Fish's Call Sheet, or check us out on YouTube. Can't wait to share more.